Hey, Shelvies. Buckle up for a new episode of the Shelved Books Podcast, where every writer has a story that may never see the light of day. This is the podcast where authors share the stories that they shelved, the manuscripts that they may never publish. Then they explore the reason why they shelved this story. Welcome to the Shelved Books Podcast. Hey, Shelbies, it's another week, another podcast. Welcome to the Shell Books Podcast. We are your hosts, Kate Evangelista. Angie Sandro. Christy Berman. And we have an amazing guest with us this week. I mean, come on. The titles alone of her books, if you are not, if it's not an instant buy for you, I do right? But please welcome to the podcast, Olivia Black. Olivia, can you please tell us a little bit about, a little bit about yourself? So first off, I have a dog that is trying to take my computer away right now. So I apologize if I get a little shaky. Um, hi, I'm Olivia Black. I write mysteries. Um, I am writing cozy mysteries right now. And um, there's there's a spoiler for later. So let's just like put that in there. Um, I, I read a lot, as you can tell from my background. And um, other than that, I'm probably the most boring person in the world. So. <laughs> um, not a lot about me, I guess. I mean, look. You did a good job. Yeah, you did, you did an amazing job. And I mean, you know, as, as authors, I feel like yeah, we, we do live vicariously through the books that we write. I mean, mm -hmm. generally, yes, we can be boring, but then yeah. it's pours out into the books that uh you know it's it's fun it's like oh to be that rock star author right that has that life that is like whoa but then you know we are the authors that you know we quietly plug along and we have our books and it's just as amazing you know as amazing have a great and, internal life yes internal yes life, yes right? And once you get in our head, it's so much more fun. <laughs> I agree. Exactly. It's like, if only you were in my head, you know. <laughs> that sounds a little crazy, but it's so true. <laughs> yeah. I had a co-worker who asked the same thing. She's like, gee, you come up with anything? What goes on in your head? <laughs> oh, the top 10 questions that is asked of mm -hmm. writers. I think we have been asked that. You know, as the, you know, how do you, where did it come from? What do you, how do you have time to, oh, you know, just list it all down and it, it, it happens. And um, so, Olivia, you're here to share with us your shelf book story. Take it away. So, um, I've got quite a few shelves books, but I'm going to tell you about one of my favorites. Mm. So, right now, I do write cozy mysteries. But I started out writing urban fantasy. I loved urban fantasies, anything with witches and ghosts and vampires and the creepy collie monsters. So I wrote a lot. I probably wrote well over a million words, and I never pubbed any of it. And I likely never will, but it is going to come in later in my story, so it'll make a little bit more sense later. So um, I, I had written urban fantasy for a while, and then I decided I needed a change, but I didn't know what I wanted to do. And then I went to this wedding, and this wedding was a dysfunctional reality TV show gone off the rails. It was every crazy thing that you've ever seen all happened in the, in the span of like a day. 
and I mean, this was a total mess. Um, so I'm waiting in the airport to go home, and all of a sudden, I'm struck by inspiration, and I immediately started writing a what would turn out to be my first cozy mystery about a bridezilla who gets killed at her own wedding. Yeah. <laughs> it's so much fun. Um, so I, I I love cozy mysteries for a lot of reasons, but one of the reasons is they have the funnest titles around. Mm-hmm. This one I called With This Ring, I the Dead. <laughs> and <laughs> I, I had help with this. I can't take full credit. Uh, my bestie Darren came up with the title. And from that moment on, I just, I knew I had to write this story. Hmm. So the story just flew out of me. I was writing on the plane. I couldn't find a notebook and I didn't have one with me because, you know, why would a writer have a notebook with him at all times, right? <laughs> I was looking on the back of these like overpriced candy bar receipts and everything. I'm writing down plot points and characters and everything. By the time I get off this plane, I'm, I've got this whole book in my head. So I get home and I write it and I love it. And then instead of doing what a normal person would do, which is like polish it and query it, I just keep writing more books in the series. And oh, wow. I do not recommend this to anyone. Uh, it is, uh, it's, it's great practice. It teaches you a lot, really helps you hone your craft. But man, I wasted a lot of time writing <laughs> more and more books on this series. Uh, but then I, I did decide that I wanted to try to get them published. I queried. I got multiple offers on this book with um, multiple agents. And I went ahead and signed with my dream agent. And, you know, like, you you have this list of, like, oh, these agents are too good for me. Or I could never. I got that agent. I'm so excited. I was so happy. So uh, we, we went on pub with this book. Or, or we went on sub with this book. And that means that the book went out to multiple editors at multiple houses and absolutely nothing happened. So it just died on sub. And I'm so sad. But my agent, being a very, very smart agent, said, keep reading, keep writing. This is going to happen. And then they were having a conversation with an editor. And the editor said, you know what, I'm really looking for somebody who, like, writes unconventional cozy mysteries that don't, like, really fall into what we think of as a cozy mystery. And my agent went, oh, I got somebody <laughs> for you. So um, that eventually came out to be Killer Content, oh. which is a Berkeley book, came out in 2021, and it's part of the Brooklyn Murder Mysteries. I've got Killer Content and No Means of Escape set in an escape room in Brooklyn so I mean <laughs> a I lot of fun that. that is such a great idea and that, that's part of like my I don't really write the conventional cozy mysteries because cozy mysteries supposed to be set in a small town and at, here these are set in Brooklyn which is you know not a small town but then it's got this really small town neighborhood vibe to it mm. so it still works um so that's that's how killer content came and in, came into being and then eventually i started writing the record shop mystery series with mcmillan uh it's uh saint martin's press and it starts with vinyl resting place which is out now and th- the original shelved series with the the wedding and everything it didn't have a strong enough hook it wasn't cozy enough 
So I don't think it will ever be published, at least definitely not in the original format. But if I were to write it again today, I would write a completely different kind of story, but I would still use those characters. And they, they live in my head. They are still screaming to come out. Um, and there are some scenes from that book that I desperately want to see the page um, because they're really fun. And there are other scenes from that book that are so completely off the cozy genre. I know I can't use them, but at the time I, I, I didn't know enough to know. Yeah, I can't do that. So, um, and the, the town that that book was set in was a little Texas town. And I used that as the blueprint for what is now Cedar River, Texas which is where the record shop mysteries are set. So part of that right. book is always going to live on, even if it never sees the light of day. That's such a cool story. Yeah, it is. <laughs> it's amazing. You know, this is the first time. So you said that it was a, you wrote it as a series. How many books are there in the series? Um, There were four books in the series, and then... Yeah, I know. You're not supposed to keep writing it. Anybody who's watching this, if you're trying to query a book, don't query a series. <laughs> Maybe if it's sci-fi, but not if it's cozy. Um, and then I, I realized how I'd missed the mark on a couple of the cozy things that, that you're supposed to do. You're supposed to have a really strong hook. And with cozy mysteries, there's all sorts of rules. Um, there's no sex. There's no blood. There's no violence. There's no cursing. Um, so they're very, very clean mysteries. And I, I hit all that. But then it's supposed to have a really strong hook. Like uh, the, the main character is a baker or works in a yarn shop. Um, and I didn't really have a good hook on this story. So I, I kind of missed the mark, which is probably why it died on sub. But eh, who knows? I might reimagine it later. <laughs> so the main character in the story, was she just a person who was there what kind of person was the, the main character so the main person in the story her name was arlie and she had left the texas town as soon as she could and was living in the big city i think she was living in dc and she had um string of bad luck ended up having to move back to town and it was her ex-boyfriend's wedding that the bridezilla had invited her to as a like, hey, hey, look at me, I'm marrying your ex. And she shows up and then the bride dies. So <laughs> you know, for cozy mysteries, I'm not really as familiar with cozy mysteries. Could it be like like if she was like a wedding core uh, core core coordinator? Yeah, something like that. Would that work? It, that's actually that's one of the hook. yeah that's that's one of the hooks that my agent suggested and i know nothing about wedding coordinators so like that that would be this the stretch for me like i'd have to find more about that so you know writing mm -hmm. about books and coffee and record stores i mean the, these are things i know a little bit about it's a little easier for me oh. like when you were when you were writing the series, is it the same character in each book? Or is it like, do you take different characters from the first book, give them a book, and then different characters from the second book, give them a book? Or is it just one character all throughout? So for a cozy mystery series, it should be one main character, 
and then their friends, their family become characters. And even the town that they're in becomes a character that goes forward in the books, but it's always like one main character. And I try to do things pretty much as unconventionally as I can. If I can bend a rule, I'm going to bend it. (laughs) So when it comes to the vital resting place, it takes place in a family record shop. And hold it up so the camera can actually see it. Uh, it takes place in a family record shop, and there's three sisters that run the shop together. And the main character is Junie, and she's going to be the main character throughout. But her sisters are Tansy and Maggie, and they're pretty much in almost every scene. So I've got almost three main characters. So I kind of bent that rule a little bit. Fun. So how long were you writing this series that didn't go anywhere? Like how long before you said like, oh, let's move on, write something else? I... Um, so, with, so with the spring, I probably wrote on for maybe up to two years. And once I, once it went out on sub, my, my agent said, okay, now write something completely different. And I did. And what I wrote, also ended up not going anywhere but that got me that introduced me to the editor that became the editor for Vinyl Resting Place nice. so everything is is very connected mm-hmm. and I, I, I'd work on one series and then it would spark an, an interest and then I'd write down that idea and then that idea would become something later how long were you on sub before your agent decided to <sighs> It felt like 30 years, but this was like 2019, so it couldn't have been that bad. Um, anytime that you're on sub, if it's six weeks, if it's six months, and there are a lot of people that are on sub for years, and it feels like the longest. Yeah. And it, even if, like, the person that you want the most takes three years because you're a yes, you're just like, oh, I got the yes. <laughs> I can see that. Yeah, and it's just like with every step, right? Just one yes. You just need one yes to move forward. Yeah, 100%. I agree. And it got you the agent that you wanted and everything fell into place. Like, it's almost like you needed those two years to prepare yourself for what was coming up. So, And I, I learned how to write fast. I learned how to take feedback. I learned how to take critique. I went from, you know, oh, I wrote this, but I'm not even going to tell anybody I wrote this to like walking up to strangers on the street. Here, I wrote this. Tell me what you think. (laughs) It's it's such a process because it is really, really hard to to get feedback, to talk about yourself, to talk about your books, because most writers are very private people. And, you know, it's it's hard to just walk up to somebody and go, Oh, I wrote this. I put my whole heart and soul into this. Tell me what you put a star number next to it. And tell me how, <laughs> how good or how bad you think it is. Because if I hadn't been able to do that with those books, if I hadn't been able to start coming out of, I guess, that shell, man, how, how can I survive Goodreads? <laughs> yeah. Bad place. Horrific. Like, oh, you missed spelled a word on page 59 and then you look at it and you're like um no actually that's the American English spelling episode. <laughs> no, it's, it's, 
<laughs> Sorry, do you have critique partners that uh, read your books beforehand uh, before you go? So right now, I do not use critique partners because I have learned that my what my agent wants, what my editor wants, and what my critique partners want are three completely different things. Mm -hmm. So I have a lot of people that I bounce ideas off of or that I work on. Um, in fact, book three in the Record Shop series, the first two chapters are have a very specific skill in them. And I know a lot of people who know a lot about that skill. So I asked them to critique those two chapters. And I wasn't looking so much for, you know, I'm, I know where my where my head wants to take this book. I know where my editor wants to take this book, but I, I need people who know something about these mechanics to see if I got that right. So I'll use critique partners for specific themes, but it got to the point where like, you have one critique partner that says, oh, you've got too much dialogue. And you've got another critique partner that says, you need more dialogue in the scene. And you're like, okay, what do I do? Yep. So yeah, so how do you, how do you make that decision? Like, what do you keep from your creativity? And then what feedback do you incorporate? What decision, uh, how do you make those decisions? That is the hardest thing in the world. And mm -hmm. you've got to go into it with the right mindset. Because if you walk into it and you're already upset because they critiqued something that you thought was perfect, you might ignore the next thing that they say, which is very, very valuable. And then if you walk in there and you're like, oh my goodness, this person is so much better than me and they, they know so much more than I do about the craft, they tell me I should change this. Then you come back and it's like a year later, you read it and you're in print and you're like, oh no, that's wrong. <laughs> so it is it is so difficult. And it, it takes finding a lot of, of people that will give you feedback or finding just a couple of very, very trusted people. And then at some point you've got to trust yourself. Yeah. Now I have a question that's going to bring us way back into the past because you said that you wrote urban fantasy at the beginning of all of this. And I was wondering, yes, I is, is writing something that you always knew you wanted to do or was it something that you did on a whim or... You had to stop the voices in your head. How does that? That's me. So I don't know personally. I, I, legally, I can't say anything about the voices. No. Um. I. I actually have written my entire life, and a lot of times. In fact, I was talking to a friend of mine from college the other day, who the first thing she said was, "I didn't know you write." I said, "Yeah, because I didn't tell anybody." But I've found notebooks from when I was three years old where I like wrote little squiggly lines and I thought I was writing down my stories. I, I can't read them. They're in a different language, but my entire life of just, I, I don't know that I ever wanted to be an author and like put myself out there, but I have always written always. So like, what so was, what was the initial career path before you realized who oh, authoring is actually a career? So once upon a time, I wanted to be a lawyer just because I like to argue with people. Um, and then I realized um, without getting political, our justice system is broken. And I don't know that I'm strong enough to fix it. And I don't know that I'm strong enough to survive in it. So I went, nope, 
And so I, I, I walked away and I actually got into computer programming after that. Oh, interesting. So what, Which is got language. You, what got you to write the very first like yeah. full length urban fantasy? Like you're sitting down, you're saying, this is it. I'm doing this. So I'm uh, on the Metro, live in DC and I was on the Metro and I saw something out of the corner of my eye that was, you know, like a, a flash of a reflection in a tunnel. And it kind of looked like a little creature, like hanging outside the window, you know, very like creepy monster stuff. Yeah. And so in my head, I created this whole world based on the things that kind of happen right on the edges of your vision that you don't really notice. And that every once in a while you catch a glimpse of and then you get sucked into it. And so that's what I started writing was I started writing those stories. And I, I loved, I, I loved that series so much. I got the initials of that um, main character tattooed on my body as a, oh, wow. we're going to do this. Um, so I did write, I did finish books. I learned how to write. I learned how to write quickly. I learned how to do a, a plot and carry it through and do a series. And so I, I learned a lot from that. And it actually, um, if I can segue, yeah, it came around full circle for me. So um, I don't know if y'all saw this, but just this week, we were able to put out an announcement that I am doing a new series that is not a cozy. I am writing a new mystery series that is a darkly humorous supernatural murder mystery that follows a ghost and her new and the new living occupant of her apartment. They team up to solve a series of seemingly unrelated murders in their Boston neighborhood. And we pitched it as a um, Family Donovan is killing it, which is like one of my favorite series of all times right now. Um, meets murders in the build or uh, only murders in the building, which is hilarious, mm. and it's got supernatural elements. It's funny, but it's dark, and it's not a cozy. First book is called Afterlife. It's going to be on the shelves in fall of 2024. So oh, I've got my, my supernatural mystery now. <laughs> I got to combine Yeah, see that this is this is a testament to just not giving up. Like even. For example, if it's not working out in one genre, then you can switch to another. And then eventually it, you know, full circle finds its way. Because sometimes what you begin with is not necessarily what you end up at. But yeah. the things like you mentioned, the things you learned, you then can apply to future ideas, future. It's not like just because it didn't work out the first time around that you can't write it anymore, you know? And, and 100%. That's, and that's so hard, you know, heartwarming too. And thank you for sharing that with us because that is definitely something like going from a shelf book to, you know, um, I think the through line here is just really not giving up. You just have to yeah. keep going, keep plugging away. So but piggybacking on Christy's question is that when did you make the jump from urban fantasy to cozy mystery because it is a bit of a you know they, they are they can be opposites in the in the wheel so oh yeah. definitely um it, one is is very dark and it's very graphic and then I've got one that you know is very very light very 
I hate to use the word cozy to describe a cozy mystery, but there's there's no gore and it's it's very sweet and the the characters, most of the characters that they interact with are nice people. Mm. And even oftentimes the the killer turns out to be a nice person, which is always kind of fun if you can like work that in that it's a nice person that just had a bad day. Mm. And it's 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 a little bit easier to almost imagine yourself in a cozy mystery, you know, as long as you like move to a, a sweet little town in New Hampshire and open up a bakery. Um, then I don't know that I want to see myself in an urban fantasy because things are scary. <laughs> Although I would read your subway seeing little things in the window kind of book for sure. That's all three of us would be right there with you. <laughs> I was just curious. So you you wrote your cozy mysteries, and now you've switched over to this new new more exci exciting genre. How did that happen? I, I'm I'm actually running them in parallel. So oh. I'm still running my, uh, the the cozy mystery for the record shop mysteries. We are okay. still going. Okay. Um, right now we've got a three book deal. So we've got Vinyl Resting Place, which is out now. We've got Fatal Groove, which is right here. So Fatal Groove comes out in July. The third book, I don't think I can tell you the name, but it is starting to feed out. So if you dig hard enough, you can find it. But I can't <laughs> tell it. <you. laughs> but it's really, really funny. You'll have to trust me. Um, that one comes out next spring. And then I've got three books in the Supernatural Mystery series that are going to be coming out in fall. So the plan is to put those out in the fall and put the cozies out in the spring. So how you're going to be busy doing that. Yes. <laughs> I mean, how did you, I mean, were you just, I mean, the idea for the story, where did that come from? Was it something that you had always planned to come out with it? Or was it just something that, you know, someone suggested, hey, maybe try to write this, you know, how did that come about? So um, I call it my banana pants mystery because <laughs> it's just, it is completely strange. Some of the, the scenes in there and I have a very dark, weird sense of humor, like, I'm going to laugh at things that might not, you know, necessarily be funny. And so the, <laughs> the idea of being able to write a mystery that has ghosts involved with it, but not be a cozy mystery. So like the, the ghost might curse on occasion. Oh goodness. <laughs> you can't, you can't do that in a cozy. Um, and I started coming up with this idea probably 2020 and I would write a little bit down and I have a, a process. My process is, is kind of weird. I'll write myself little notes on my phone on scrap pieces of paper. And once I have enough that I can't keep track of it anymore, then I start writing it out on note cards. And once the note cards get to be about this thick, I know I've got a book. And then I sit down and write the book. So that's, took a couple of years for this ghost story to become a full-fledged mystery and I'm I'm so excited to see this one on the shelf it's it's weird and it's funny and it's different and I love it oh that's sweet fantastic, <laughs> that, fantastic. Is, that is just amazing you know thank you so much for sharing that with us because sometimes you get you hit the point sometimes you hit a point in, in your career that maybe, oh my gosh, is this it? You know, without maybe uh, 
thinking, can I explore other things? Am I open to explore other things? And and you are doing just that. You're you have the through line of the cozy mystery, but you're also incorporating. So how are you juggling this? That is my question, actually, in in that roundabout way. How are you juggling this these two series at the same time? So I'm I'm traditionally published, and it's a lot different if you were self-pub or traditionally published whenever it comes to timelines. Mm. With a traditionally published book, you write usually either a huge outline that you get blessed, or you write a very, very detailed synopsis, and then six months later it sells, and then you write the book, and then a year later you get your first round of edits, and six months after that you get your second round of edits, and by the time that it's on the shelf, it's like, I wrote this book three years ago. I wrote this book four years ago. Yeah. And if it's part of a series, then you're promoting, like, I could still be promoting killer content that I wrote five years ago, while I'm also worried about Fatal Groove, which is still in edits, but it comes out in July. So you've got this very strange timeline going and you just have to learn how to shuffle around and figure out what you're actually supposed to be working on and put yourself in the headspace of that book. And the way I do it or the way I've found works for me is I use playlists and I've got a very specific playlist that puts me in a specific book, in a specific main character's head. And we're talking about um, the, the urban fantasy that I wrote for ever and ever and ever again. There's a specific Nine Inch Nails song that if that song comes on, I could sit down and write out word for word any of those books because oh, that it. was on the playlist. And it just pings and boom. I'm there. <laughs> Like you listen to a song and all of a sudden you have an idea for a whole story, you know, so I can see why listening to one song just puts you right back into that character. That's fantastic. Now, how long does it take you to write a book usually? So it depends. I am definitely a, a, a plot. A, what is it? Plotzer? Yeah. I, I, I will, will write ideas and ideas and ideas until it actually becomes a coherent book. And then I put, um, I was talking about those note cards before. Wish I had a stack of my note cards I could show you, but um, like they, they get pretty thick. And then that becomes my outline. And I can work for months or even years to get to that point. And then once I get to that point on the outline, I have the entire book in my head. I just have to get it onto my computer. And I have scenes and I have voices and I have conversations. I have songs that are playing on the radio and I know what all of them are. And at that point, I just have to sit down and write. And from that point, maybe it's six weeks if I have a lot of time on my hand to just, but I've plotted it out for a year. Mm -hmm. So I know everything. It's literally just like almost dictating at that point because I've already written it up here so I don't know how long it takes me to actually write it I have to commend you because I think a lot of us I'm including myself in this is like you have an idea and you get so excited and mm -hmm. I'm a plotter so I will go and I will outline and I and, and then you can't you just can't wait you you have to start writing but I love the idea of just waiting relax take a breath write like think about it some more that's good I actually, I've, I've got a book that came to me whenever I was really, really busy. And I, th this entire book 
came, came to me in like the course of two days. And I was busy. I had edits due. I had a manuscript due. I think I had a vacation planned. I mean, it was like I had no time to sit down and write this book. So I sat down and wrote down everything I knew about this book in outline format so I wouldn't lose it. And that turned out to be 9,000 words of my outline. Like I said, I mean, this entire book just like popped into my head. So um, I've learned to write down as much as I can and put it away until I do have time to write it. Because like the ghost story, like afterlife, that's been in my head on and off for years. And I'll just write down what I know when I know it. And then whenever I have chance to to start writing, man, it just comes out because I, I already have, I know what's going on. I know what the next scene is. I know what the character's motivation is and it helps. Love it. So at this point, are do you encounter a project where it's just not working? Oh, yeah. So how um, do you know? Like, when do you stop and say, mm, maybe this is not it? Usually because I plan so thoroughly, mm. it's going to die in the planning stages. Mm. And I kind of have a rule for myself that I will not put pen to paper, fingers to keyboard, however you want to call it, until I have the first line down. And when the first line of a book pops into my head and I already know what what the book is about, you can't stop me then. You, I'm going to lock myself in my room and write until the book comes out. So um, there's a lot of, I, I've got a folder on my computer that says stupid stuff that's never going to see the light of day. That's <laughs> the name of the folder. And it's snippets and it's ideas, and I write them down because I have to. But um, usually if a project's going to fail, it, it fails in that folder. It just never goes anywhere. Yeah. So will some of the urban fantasy trickle into your paranormal mystery? Will we see, like... I would I would love that. I would absolutely <laughs> love that. I mean, and the, the urban fantasy, I didn't want to just write about... Um, I, like werewolves. Werewolves were really big for a while. And I love werewolves. I, I love the the whole genre, but I didn't want to write about what everybody else was write, was writing about. So I would write about gargoyles or I would write about, you know, like a different kind of shape shifter or whatever, just to to challenge myself. And I can see some of that trickling into the ghost books. That'll be so cool. I can't yeah. wait. Afterlife <laughs> is so much fun. Yes. You can do so much when you have a ghost. You know, I think that's that's the new. I think ghosts are making a, such a resurgence right now because I'm I'm seeing a lot of books as well with like ghosts in the not, not, not necessarily yeah not necessarily in in the mystery realm but in a lot of genres ghosts are popping up and I'm and I'm liking this because for a while when you had a ghost in your book it's like no 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 we don't. You know, it's not gonna work. Ghosts not gonna work unless it's like a horror. Even then, even in horror, ghosts were like, nah, you know. But at least now, it's like finally, ghosts are getting the appreciation that they deserve. Uh, in the in the space, in the publishing space, and we are so, um, just it's it's just so interesting to to hear this process from you, Olivia, because, um. This is a different way of writing, definitely, um, because we have encountered those that, okay, I have an idea, I will write it down, and then 
we'll see where it goes. And then there's the, I will outline everything and then I will write. And then there's you who you, it percolates. You percolate and, you know, and question, how big, how big are the note cards? I just, you know, is, is it like the, the biggest size or is it? No, like they're, the, they're like the little index card. Yeah. So like the, the, the three by five or the. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And then do you write, yeah. And you write scenes on them? Is that it? I'll write scenes. I'll write uh, plot points. I'll write um, little snippets of conversations. Um, sometimes it, it'll just say, need, need another suspect. And then later, as I'm thinking about it, I'll flip that card over and I'll fill it in with ideas. And then eventually that becomes a scene of itself. I want to know what it looks like when you take out all those cards and what do you do? Do you lay them everywhere? Do you post them on a cork board? How do you, how does that? I use the floor. Um, hold on just one second. Let me see if I can't get some cards down here. <laughs> okay. Yeah, that, that's a facet. Do you have a murder board? <laughs> you know? Why do you not have a murder board? <laughs> With the strings and everything. Yeah, that's right. Except, it's like, except it's like all note cards and then, you know, bring them together <laughs> I would love to to do that um I don't really have the space to work with and I'm usually working on multiple books at a time and so it wouldn't um eventually it wouldn't make sense you so, know though they um, should have an app for that you know something that you could like put the yeah no sorry Hold on. <laughs> no, that, that would be totally that would be great. I would love to be able to do that because then, you know, you can see it. But for me, the good thing about the note cards is I can shuffle them. Mm -hmm. I can, I'm spending too much time on, on this plot point where I need to, to finish that plot point that needs to come up later. Mm -hmm. And so I can just sit there and reorder things. And then by the time that I get to the point where I'm laying it out in an actual outline, I already know what's got to happen. That and so even if what's got to happen is, you know, figure this out. <laughs> yeah, no, and that's fascinating because I feel like, I feel like in, in a roundabout way, you solve, um, you, you, you're you able to solve, no, not only that, like uh, preventing writer's block because mm, you're yeah. able to move from one section to another because you already have the cards. So yeah. you just get stuck it's on one day. That's over it forever. <laughs> so true. Okay, it's so true because even as she's thinking about it and you're writing more cards, like you, you, you're not writing yet. So if you get writer's block, it's not even writer's block. It's thinkers, and it's not even thinkers block. It's just like the hmm. I love it. Yeah, you just, and it, it's kind of just like percolating in the back of your head while you're thinking. Um, um hold on. Now that's. <laughs> I'm I'm trying I'm trying to get the cards. Oh, um. we are excited. We are waiting with bated <laughs> breath here because yeah, because those that's in all honesty that's a good method I think, and 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 I'm so happy that we were able to talk to you and we were able to unearth this method because um I want to try it and and my connecting question there is are the cards different colors? Yes. Oh my gosh. <laughs> There's so many colors. Um, sometimes I will try to actually color coordinate like on this this book, maybe the, the characters are yellow and the, the big clues are pink and the little clues are blue. And 
so also whenever I look at it, you know, that there's going to be a lot of characters up front whenever you first start a story and mm -hmm. then more characters come in and they're, they're sprinkled in later, but you kind of want almost a rhythm and you can see the rhythm in the colors. If, if you use color codes, but then I run out of like pink and I start putting plot points on green and <laughs> then it doesn't make any sense, but it, I it love was this funny. idea. Yeah, I have to try that too. I love it too. And the colors make my, yes, mm -hmm. like the, the colors make my writer's heart so happy. Like it's like, oh, <laughs> right. <laughs> yes. It made I, me I should have brought some of these downstairs with me you and know, I like, didn't. Different colored pens yeah. and maybe sticky notes. Oh my gosh, we're going to Staples. That's what yeah. we're doing. <laughs> <That's right. laughs> sticky notes are oh, the right. best. They are. Like different colors, different. See, you have unlocked. This is what we love about this podcast and that we have, we continue to discover with every guest that we talk to. It's like there is a million ways to write. There mm -hmm. is. It's like there is yes. no one way. And once you find your way, it's like magic. And then you get to share that with everybody else. And you're like, so now someone who is watching or listening to this is like, oh, I'm going to try that. Because mm -hmm. we're going to try that. You know? oh, yeah. <laughs> we want to try that. And it's whatever works for you. Because the, the important thing is trying to figure out a way to to order your thoughts and whether you order them on paper while you write or whether you just, you know, write down a bunch of ideas and, and let them sit in your head, I will lose my train of thought. And then I've got, you know, I glanced down the cards and I, I can remember how I was feeling when I wrote those notes. Wow. So it might not make sense to anybody else, like, you know, fuzzy, fuzzy shape out window. You know, that, that doesn't tell anybody anything. But in my head, I'm like, I'm on the metro and I'm listening to my music and it's a crowded train and it's dark and the lights are flickering and I look over the side of my and I see something moving outside the window. And so I can write myself a note that just triggers my personal memory. Yeah. And so I don't have to keep it in my head at all times. I can I can work on other books. I can edit other books and and. You guys had asked earlier, like, how do you flip back and forth? And that's how I do it. Nice. And that makes sense. It makes a lot of sense because <laughs> you can you can literally compartmentalize. It's not just all in your brain or it's ah, oh, I'm now I want now I want to be uh, I have an idea that I think will work. But um so while we're if 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 you're if we're still waiting for the cards and we really want to see it, if if it's we are able to, but uh, let's segue into Christy's um, speed round questions. Christy, oh no! Oh no! It's gonna be so much fun. fun. It's, it's fun. so fun. It's so fun. <laughs> <laughs> yes, and, okay. and it can—it's it, really simple. Like, I mean, one word, a paragraph, a whole like—I mean, whatever you want to answer, and they're really fun to answer. And we get to know you better, so that's all it is. About. So, are you ready? <laughs> sure, I'm ready. The first one is: What's your favorite activity on a day off? Uh, watch hockey. <gasps> Which team? So I'm a Caps fan. I live in DC. I'm a huge Caps fan. We did really bad this year, but that's okay. Oh. Um, but yeah, whether it's going to a game or um, anything, it's just watching hockey at home, going to a high school game, going to a pro game. It's whatever it, whatever it is. 
huge Habs fan here, like Montrealer. So hey, that's we can okay. be friends. If you had said Rangers, I'm not sure. If no. you had said Boston Bruins, it would have been like, I'm sorry. But Caps, we can we can be friends. It's good. So um, I, I have to admit, I'm rooting for the Bruins right now because the Caps are out and the Bruins have had such an amazing year. They deserve it. No, I'm sorry. We can't be friends now. I'm sorry. Oh, it's just like, oh. Okay, that is the end of the speed round. <laughs> just so you know, I'm rooting for the wild. But anyway, uh, would you rather okay. <laughs> would you rather cook dinner or bake a cake? Um, I'd probably rather cook dinner because it, it, desserts. I would like that handed to me. I don't want to have to work for a dessert. I don't want to have to clean it up. Um, I want to sit down and eat a cake and not have to worry about it. But kind of dinner, dinner's fun. I can make dinner. I like the way you think. That's good. <laughs> Which part of the day do you like the least? Oh my goodness. Um, I am not a morning person. I'm not a daylight person. I'm the person, like, I could be a vampire. I yawn all day long. And I'm like, oh, I'm so tired. I can't wait till nightfall. The sun goes down and I'm like jumping around. Yeah, I come alive whenever the sun goes away. So your least favorite part would be waking up is what you're saying. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> That's good. I can do that. I typically wake up with a small dog standing on top of me. It's <laughs> not the best way to wake up. <laughs> The glass half full or half empty? It depends on what's in there. I mean, like if it's water, then I guess it's half full. If it's whiskey, <laughs> it's half empty. So I mean, okay. This one I wrote down for you just because you write crime. If the FBI were to review your past internet searches, would they be <laughs> surprised? Intrigued or concerned? Um, probably concerned because I, <laughs> I definitely look up, um, like you know, what kind of what would this poison do to your body? So, <laughs> this is also where I admit, um, y'all asked earlier what I originally wanted to do, and I originally wanted to go into law, and so I ended up taking a bunch of criminology classes whenever I was in college. So, I took um, a blood spatter course. I took a whole semester where we worked at a body farm, which is, if you don't know what a body farm is, yeah. it's where they take dead things and put them outside and see what happens to them. Yeah. So, Learning I the actually, different stages of decom. Yeah. And it, it comes in really handy whenever you're doing criminal investigations and when you're um, trying to put together a, a case and, and, it also comes in handy if, you know, later you decide that you want to write cozy mysteries. <laughs> oh, phew. That's what you were going to say. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yes. I only write about murder. I never thought about murder. Anybody? <laughs> no confession on this podcast. Disclaimer. Um, I bet your roses are very beautiful this year. <laughs> she has a beautiful garden. Yes. Number six. If you could travel back in time, would you go to the past or the future? Oh, my goodness. Um, I'd go to the future. I already know what happened in the past, and you can't really change it. If you change it, like, you could change the worst day of your life, 
and that changes who you become in the future. Mm. I don't want to do that. So, you know, I've already lived the worst day of my life, well, so far. <laughs> I don't want to have to watch it again or, or go through it again, um, much less try to fix it and end up making things worse. Yeah. So, totally agree with you. Number seven, have you ever won a contest? I ever won a contest um I remember I was like 12 years old and I won like a radio contest where they made you sing the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles theme song <laughs> on the radio and I sang it and I won and then it was like tickets to a concert and my parents were like you're not going to this concert and just so I won but I didn't get to I didn't get to go to the concert. Oh, <laughs> I like that. Theme. No, I will not sing the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles theme song for you guys. <laughs> it's a sorry, song, not gonna happen. <laughs> what is your favorite pizza topping? Uh, vegetarian pepperoni. Mm -hmm. Like I I usually end up making pizza at home because vegetarian pepperoni isn't something you can get at Pizza Hut, but. I actually liked it. It's it's really good. I don't eat actual pepperoni, so what's what's, what's in vegetarian? I have no idea. <laughs> Just asking. Okay, we'll look that up and we'll get back to you. <laughs> Number nine. Do you believe in karma? Yes. Yes, I believe. I I want to believe in karma. How about that? Yep. I'm the same as you. And number 10, which is always the most intellectual, like you're going to have to think about this for so long. Do you think that what happens in Vegas really stays in Vegas? Yes. And that goes back to hockey. Because, mm. and, and see, this, this is my hockey nerd coming out. The first year that, the Vegas, that Vegas had a hockey team, they did amazingly. They mm -hmm. won pretty much all their games. And there was an article that just came out last week that the reason why that happened is because all the other hockey players got to Vegas, got drunk, stayed up too late, stayed in the casinos <laughs> all night, got on the ice, and just pretty much fell on their faces because they're all hungover. <laughs> and that's the that's the reason why Vegas had such a great inaugural season. So that what happens in so Vegas awesome. has ripple effects through the world. So that's that's my nerd side. And I have my cards. Oh, show us, show us, show us. So I told you guys that I had a book that came out of me and like, I, I knew what the whole book was immediately. And I wrote like this 9,000 word outline. These are the cards from that book. Oh my God. That oh, looks so cool. <laughs> <laughs> and like, um, I don't know, it's about that big. <gasps> It's like what, an inch the, and a half, an inch? That's not done yet, right? I mean, or is it done? I, I haven't written it. Um, I believe that the outline is, is done. I just, I'm working on a bunch of things right now and I don't have time for it. But yeah, um, everything has got, like, some of them have things on the front, but um, I'm trying to show you things that don't have them on the front. But then I'll just have, like, a paragraph. Yeah. And... It keeps me in track. I love that. I it, it, and, oh. and this one, this one was weird because it's a dual timeline. So mm -hmm. I had to keep track of two different timelines at once. And oh. I has anything that's white happened in the past. Anything that's on color is happening currently. 
Olivia, so, you're making me so happy. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just so, it's just like, it's just like, feel good just seeing those cards. I don't know, like if you, Kate and Angie feel the same way, but it's just like, oh my gosh. <laughs> also, it, it is an organizer's dream. Yeah. <laughs> Because I can't write, I have a hard time writing um, an outline, but I think that having it on no, no cards where you can just write it down and then you have something yeah. in your hands, you have it color coded so you can figure out where it is and you just put it out on your bed or hang it up on a wall. You know, it is, it would make it so much easier to keep track of what's going on. I love that idea so much, so much. <laughs> and yeah, I, I think something's not working for you. You come back later and, you know, you have the crazy idea that you wanted a, a car crash in chapter three so you write down i want a car crash and then later car crash doesn't work for you you just you skip that card it makes it easier to write the whole book i oh love it i love that idea thank you so much for sharing that <laughs> it it seems so simple right, right? It, it seems so simple I, I never thought of it that way it's like you, you want a car crash but then now you don't want a car crash you just remove the card <laughs> my mind is well, so of course you don't throw right the card now. away you store the card in yes. your discarded card drawer or something yes. so again yeah. i do want that card and i just love the idea of like if you want to see what the characters you go to the yellow card or the like you know the love scene you go to the pink card or whatever like it's just it's brilliant brilliant yes. and it is i I used to store them all in like these little card boxes that I got from Staples and I loved them and they ended up to be too much. And now I store them in Ziploc bags. <laughs> so I can just, I've got a whole book in this little Ziploc bag and it's complicated. don't lose it. And then like the, the name and stuff I'll write on other pieces of the bag. And yeah. Beautiful. Awesome. <laughs> it's so low tech and I love it. It is. It's tangible. Like, like Angie said, and I was going to say, like, because we grew up with flashcards, you know, mm -hmm. when we're trying to learn something, you know, flashcards are always such an easy, uh, accessible way to memorize something or learn something. So it's almost that. It's like you've made flashcards for your book. And mm -hmm. that actually helps put the book together. My mind is so blown right now. I am <laughs> suddenly so excited again. It, it's like you never know where inspiration will take you. And um, definitely we, we go into po these podcasts not expecting anything. And it blows our minds each and every time. <laughs> every and you have given us... Every time we learn something new. Yes. Yes. yes <laughs> and you have taught us something. See, it's like that. You go from a shelf book to... Oh, use cards. Yep. Just use cards. I'm going to staples. That's what I'm going to do. Yeah. <laughs> Just get lots of colors. And um, I like the light colors because they're easier to write on. Yeah. I got these one card, like set of cards that are like dark blue, dark purple. I like dark blue, dark purple. You can't write on that. You can't see it. Silver. Yeah, I would never have thought about that because I probably would have gotten all the dark cards and like all, all my favorite, like yep. neon colors. <laughs> the neon colors are actually great because right. you can find those in your deck. Because okay. like if you're like thinking of it like a deck of cards, like if, if I've got a neon pink card that just pops up, I know that that's important. So if mm -hmm. I'm thinking about a scene, I can flip to that neon pink card and I know what's going to happen there. I I love that. Now, do you ever like just one last question? Do you do you usually like can you get those you know like those little rings 
and just like cook them all together? Do you ever do that? Um, so you don't I lose them. Or? I could, but I think that's what I use the the, the little Ziploc bags for. They they also make a box if you don't want a Ziploc. But um, I changed the the order. That's the right. order of the card. Yeah. And also, like while I'm writing, so if I'm writing and I'm like going through the scene, I'm like I don't want to write the scene right now. I will turn that scene sideways and then just keep going. So if they were stuck together, I wouldn't be able to do it. It just, it tells me where I'm at in the deck, and it's just, I, I don't know. Olivia, I think you could write a whole book about this. Yeah. <laughs> a method. Writing I'm, I'm method sure you got the idea right somewhere. No, but, but you, 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 you've made it in such a way, I mean, yes, it could have, it could be taken from, it could be a, a, an idea. It's not necessarily like a new idea, but the way you put it together is so accessible that yeah. makes writing less intimidating because you have all the information there. You don't have to like, you know, and then like you said, if you don't want to write a scene, just turn it you over know? or remove the card or whatever. Yeah. And so, you know, Shelby, if you are listening to this on any of the podcast platforms, I suggest go to YouTube as well just to see the cards because it's like, <laughs> yay, you know? Yeah, it's visual, yeah. Yeah, it's, 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 yeah. And if, if you ever look at my Instagram, my Instagram's a mess. It's just like whatever I'm thinking that day. But on occasion, it'll be you know an advertisement for the book that I, I'm that's coming out right then, or it'll just be a picture. I, I think I took one of my dog in the cherry blossoms the other day and, and threw that up there. But every once in a while, you'll just see a big stack of colorful note cards and like, oh, somebody's working. Yeah. So speaking <laughs> of Instagram. Olivia, where, where can they find you? Okay. Um, so my my first thing I can tell you is if you are an author and you are not published yet, figure out your social medias first thing. <laughs> because mine are all over the place. Um, so easiest way to find me is on my website, which is oliviablack.com. And black is spelled B-L-A-C-K-E. And that's got links to everything, including newsletter and all my socials. I'm on Twitter as Olivia Black. Well, Twitter exists, I guess. I'm on Instagram as Olivia Black author. And then I'm on Facebook as author Olivia Black. So, <laughs> like I said, sort yourself out before you, before you actually get started. Because then they, like, print it in your books. And you're like, well, I can't change my Facebook name now. Um, <laughs> I love it. That so I'm is, all over the place. You know what? I think, in all honesty, it fits your persona and it fits what you write. And and now I can't. You know, I am definitely going to pre-order uh, Afterlife because I I want to see what's going it's to happen. It's not up for pre-order yet. I know when it comes <laughs> out for pre-ordered. I'm I'm just. I'm already putting it in my mind that I want to put, I want to pre-order it because I mean, 2024 cannot come soon enough for this for, for, for me and this book. And um, so we've already we've talked about. So what are you currently currently like focusing your energies on right now? So right now I'm focusing on the record shop mysteries, mm -hmm. and like I said, Vinyl Resting Place is in bookstores now, and then book two. Yeah is a fatal groove it comes out in july 
July 25th, I believe. Book three comes out next spring. That's one I don't think I can tell you the title yet, but it's really funny. Well, all the more, all the more reason, Shelby's to follow Olivia. Go visit her website, check out her books, so that you can anticipate the third and final. Is it is it a third and final installment, or do you think uh, there will be more books in this, you know, in this world? It's the third in the series, and hopefully, this series is one of those like it, it goes on for for thirty books, mm-hmm. but. I, I don't control that. Uh, readers control that. Publishers control that. Platforms control that. I don't control that. I I could write about Junie and her sisters for the next 30 years and be perfectly happy. I mean, she works in a record shop that sells coffee. So <laughs> I basically spend all day in my head surrounded by these amazing vinyl records and thinking about coffee drinks. <laughs> and all of the coffee drinks, they have these amazing little punny names. So, like, one of them is, um, I only want to be with brew. No, nope. <laughs> would be, like, the coffee of the day. So, I'm, like, I'm, I'm writing puns all day, and I'm having so much fun. And then Judy's got her friends, and she's got her sisters, and she's got her community. And she's kind of got two love interests, which is fun to write. Mm-hmm. Um <laughs> So yeah, I, I I could write the cozies for you know, put out one every year for the rest of my life, and I'd be perfectly happy with that. So it would be fun. Yeah, <laughs> uh, we we would too because then that would give us more to read in the future from you. And my last question is, hockey cozy mysteries. Hmm. Oh, I there. would love that. Um, First so buyer right here. Apparently, yeah. <laughs> Apparently, sports mysteries aren't a big seller, which I find to be completely sad because I love sports. I love mysteries. I love books. Um, I, I've got a friend who writes uh, baseball cozies. Um, let's see. Can you see that? Nicole Aslan writes uh, sports mysteries. First one is Murder at First Pitch. Um I love these books so much. The second one just came out. And then I've got a lot of friends who write hockey romance. Mm -hmm. And um, let's see if I've got some hockey romance up here. I've got so much, some amazing hockey romance. But I would love to do a hockey cozy. I may or may not have already written one that hasn't sold. But uh, (laughs) (laughs) yeah, um, I, I, I love sports books. They they are fun to me. Yes, they are, and they're they're fun to read too, because it's like, you know. And um, Olivia, thank you so much for joining us. You were a delight. We loved it. We love learning new things, and we love being able to explore a different side of the writing process. And um, thank you for gracing the podcast. And uh, Shelby. If you have a shell book story that you want to share with us, just email us, shellbookspodcast at gmail.com. We want to say hi. Our email is open and please do so. Uh, if you haven't subscribed yet to our YouTube channel, you know, hit that subscribe button. Give us a like because that helps, you know, others uh, find us in their feeds. Um, and at the same time, if you are more of a listener instead of a viewer, 
then we are available on every podcast platform. I mean, I hear we are a good listen on a hike. So why not? You know, while you're out in nature, come listen to us. Come listen to our quirky writing-filled, discovery-filled podcast. And maybe, just maybe, a book might come out of it for you. And we would be happy to read that in the future. You never know. You might even be a future guest on this podcast. Um, so once again, we are the Shelf Books Podcast. Tune in next week. We have a new episode, new guest that we can't wait to share with you. We are your hosts. I completely blank there. We are your hosts, Kate <laughs> Vacalista. Angie Sandro. And Christy Berman. And remember, everybody, keep on writing. Bye. Thank you, Olivia. Thank you. Thank you so much. And that was another episode of the Shelved Books Podcast. We hope you enjoyed today's episode. Till the next one, stay safe, read more, write more, and continue to be at your creative best. The world is waiting. So are we.